Can somebody say hallelujah? Hey, all right. A Baptist church? Come on. I like it. Well, God has put a love in my heart for his church here at Porterfield that's really hard for me to explain. And it's a connection that really started several years ago, a long, long time ago, um, when I had a head full of red hair <laughs> and a guitar and some songs that I'd written to share my faith about Jesus. And I was invited to come to Porterfield for a youth event and to play my music with a youth pastor who brought the message that night. It was before this facility was ever built, um, but it was obviously way before the fire. And in fact, I still remember the first time that I took the Beverly exit. I was coming on Route 50 from Parkersburg. You know, you take that exit and then you see the sign when you're on the off ramp that says Porterfield and it points to the left. So I followed it. Remember now, this, they did have telephones back then, <laughs> but it was before uh, cell phones, it was before GPS. I know, I'm just, I'm really dating myself now. And it was before Google Maps. So you had to actually rely on signs and things. But anyway, so I took that ramp and it said Porterfield to the left. So I turned left and I drove and there was the river in front of me. And I'm like, man, that's true. This town's so little, you blink and you miss it. I was like, where, where is the church? What is going on? And so eventually I was able to find my way here on this hillside. And I was actually quite surprised because even then it was a fairly good sized facility and uh, the way I described it back then, it was like a big country church. And um, I really appreciated the people when I first met them and I sang that night. And I just never imagined in my wildest thoughts that I would ever be a pastor, number one, let alone be the pastor of this church. I mean, I was nervous enough that night just to get through singing my songs, you know, and, and sharing my faith a little bit. So God really does work in amazing and mysterious ways. But as I learned about this church, once I became aware of it, I remember thinking, gosh, you know, I'm surprised I've never heard of this church because it's not like I didn't live in the Mid-Ohio Valley. In fact, there was uh, some years later, uh, a friend of mine that, that uh, plays music uh, came to Porterfield. And when he saw how the church was growing, he said, this is like the best kept secret in the Mid-Ohio Valley. <laughs> and I said, well, we don't wanna keep it a secret, you know. But again, it's just before God, God has always been working in this church and, and as we're growing. But that was what God showed me back then because at that time I was part of a large church in Parkersburg. And when I came over here and I met the folks of Porterfield at that time, some of whom are still here and still living, many have gone on to the reward, they've gone on to be with the Lord. But I just, it made me realize, God, you are amazing because you are at work in so many ways and in so many places that I'm just so unaware of. And you're doing some really cool stuff. And that's when I began to feel a connection with this church. And, um, you know, some of you got a letter this week, hopefully, which I tried to communicate with you. And if you didn't get that letter, you'll know in just a few moments, don't worry. Well, I, I say, don't worry. I'm not going to resign. Some of you are like, darn, that's what I was hoping. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I want to try to get out in front of this thing because I do not like to create unnecessary drama. 
You know, I'm just a pretty even-keeled person and just want to, you know, stay calm, stable, let's, let's get it going. Um, but at times there are things that we have to deal with in life or situations in life that, again, we need to get out in front of, talk about, uh, pray about it, and make sure that we're handling it in a healthy way. So that's really what this is all about today, this message. And it's about the, the letter that I sent out this week. But here's the thing. Pastors come and pastors go, but the work of the Lord continues. And that's the scripture passage that I want to share with you today. So I encourage you to open your scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. I don't have it on the screen other than the reference. And you might notice the, the slide that I have on the screen actually has some pictures of the past history of this church here at Porterfield. It's amazing all the changes that this congregation has gone through over the years in our 80 going on 90 year history. But we've seen God's faithfulness to us and there has been a response to God's faithfulness from the people here in this community. And I believe that's why we're still growing and I believe that's why we will continue to grow in the future. We need to make sure that we're responding to God's grace to us and we're continuing the work. So this is what the Apostle Paul writes as he's addressing uh, this whole issue of, you know, pastors come and go and, and what happens to the church in that whole process and how does this all work. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I'll pick up his writing there. And Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, or hay, or stubble, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So the Apostle Paul was reminding the people here in the church at Corinth that the church should not be built on the personality or the popularity of a pastor. The church needs to be built on the person who gave his life for the church, which is Jesus Christ. The church has to be built on the foundation of Jesus. He is who we follow. Those of us who are called into ministry and who are gifted to teach or preach or pastor or whatever the gifts we are given, it's through God's spirit working in us. And yes, each of us have unique personalities and, and different quirks and oddities, but God works through each one of us in a special way. But again, the church needs to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, not the personality or popularity of, of the pastor. Because Christ is the one who grows the church through the work of his Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, God does use messengers. 
and he does use workers. And that goes not only for myself as pastor or any of our staff or our church leadership, but it goes for every single one of you as part of the church. God has gifted each of you uniquely and he wants to use you in service to help his church grow. So even though I'm addressing in this message today something about the pastoral role and how God works through that, this message really isn't about me. Yes, it involves me. It's kind of awkward. I can't, how do I get around that? Because I am the pastor. But it's not just about me. It's really about all of us. And much bigger than that, it's about Christ, who is our Savior. So are you with me? Are we okay? So Paul uses two analogies in this passage for the church. He uses an analogy of agriculture and an analogy of architecture. He says the church is both like a field where seed is planted and it grows and bears fruit, but it's also like a building where a foundation is laid. And in fact, when this facility was built, uh, there was one group of, of people that came in and they laid the foundation and they poured the concrete. And I remember walking around when the concrete was laid and looking around and I'm thinking, this looks awful small. It's like, I thought, I thought it was gonna be bigger than this. But then after the foundation was laid and, the, and a different team came in and they started putting up the framework and, and the beams and then the walls came up and a different group came in and did drywall and they kept building on this story, kept adding and adding. I'm like, okay, now the space is getting defined. Okay, I feel a little better. It looks a little bigger than I thought it would be. Well, this is how God builds his church. It's one generation after another, one person after another, taking the work that that previous generation or person has done and then adding to it, building on it. But God is the one that's working through all of it for his glory and for his kingdom. So Paul highlights in these two analogies that he gives four things. He talks about the message, the importance of the message. He talks about the importance of the materials in the building because he says the message is like a seed and it's also basically the foundation. But the message also involves materials that is in, used in the building of this building. And then he talks about the worker and the workmanship. But he emphasizes that it's God's spirit working through the message and the materials and the worker and the workmanship. That really is, what, is who does the work. So thinking about our story here at Porterfield as a church, God has definitely worked through a lot of people over the years. Again, I look at these pictures and um, some of those, now I just want a little disclaimer. I was not here involved in any of the black and white pictures in the top half. <laughs> so I did enter the scene during the color picture phase. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, but what, the reason I, and I know it's hard to see some of these pictures but it really is a blessing because you see how God has worked through the generations here in the life of this church. And we're here today because of their work. And I wanna honor that and I wanna honor Christ and I wanna build on that. And I pray that you join me in that and that we're not only thinking about what's happening now, but we're laying, well, we're, the foundation has been laid. We're building on the foundation that has been laid and adding to it for the next generations, for future generations. That's my vision, that's my hope, that's my dream. 
And so part of my responsibility as a pastor that God has placed me in here is not only to do what I'm doing with teaching and preaching and working with the staff, but it's to create an, an environment and a climate whereby people can be led and grow in leadership opportunities and then take positions in ministry so that God's work can continue and to help prepare the church for times of transition. And I want to give everybody a far enough advance notice so it doesn't become a shock. And so again, this is why I'm taking a little bit of time today to flesh out some information that I sent out this week. If you didn't get the letter or the email, hang in there, it's okay. Uh, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. But that's why the Apostle Paul talks about this, the importance of this growth process. Because again, I think about the years of Porterfield, the people who worked in children's ministry, and the people who did vacation Bible school years ago. And we have a successful vacation Bible school, kid you not, to this day, that's a result of the people that poured their lives into Bible school back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And praise God, he has blessed that and, and built on it to where this year uh, we had like 280-some kids around there and then 130-plus volunteers. It's awesome. People take vacation to come and work at Bible school. Who's ever heard of such a thing? But that's awesome. So that's the kind of thing that's exciting that God has been doing here, and we want to see that continue. But it's not only been just children's ministry. It's been youth ministry. It's been adult ministry. And we're continuing to see more ministries launch and grow, but we, we want to do it in such a way that this growth is sustainable. And we need to keep being willing to look to the future. So that's what Paul meant when he said, I planted, because he came along as an apostle and he shared the gospel and people were getting saved. He literally was of that first generation of the church. He was a person who did not believe that Jesus was the Christ. He was a believer in God. He was a, a Jewish man who was raised up in strict Jewish tradition and laws, and he believed in Yahweh God and worshiped him. But when Jesus came on the scene, he was skeptical, and he didn't believe that he was Yahweh in the flesh, that he was the Messiah. But later, Christ rocked his world, changed his worldview, and he realized that he was and is the Messiah. And then he became the most devout follower of Christ. It would be like today the most famous atheist who doesn't believe there's a God all of a sudden comes to that knowledge, is converted, changed, and then they become the biggest proponent for Jesus Christ. I mean, you'd be like, wow, that's really amazing. Well, that's what God did with the Apostle Paul. And that's why so many of Paul's writings are used still to this day because it's the testimony of an absolute skeptic whose life was transformed by Christ and he became a follower. And we've seen God continue to work through his words, through his Holy Spirit working. So again, Paul said, I planted that seed of the gospel, but Apollos, who was another very well-educated Jewish person who came to faith in Christ, he was a great teacher. He had great teaching ability. And so Paul said, well, I planted a seed. Apollos came along and he watered it. He taught well and the church continued to grow. Well, why did, did Paul write this? Why did he make this statement? Well, I'll tell you why. Glad you didn't ask. <laughs> glad, you, glad you asked. Um, he did it because in the church at Corinth, there were people, and I know it's hard to imagine, but they were looking at the personality of the pastor and the teacher. And so there were some in the church at Corinth that were like, 
Oh man, I like Paul. He is awesome, you know. He's so bold and he does this and that. And there were other people in church that, well, yeah, Paul's okay, but I really like Apollos because man, he just breaks open the word and I learned so much under Apollos' teaching. And so there was this rivalry going on in the church between, you know, which was the best pastor, who was the best teacher. And Paul was writing to them saying, stop it. Stop it, this is not about personality, it's not about popularity, it's not about us as pastors, this is about Jesus. And so you're showing an immaturity level when you're focusing on the person and not the one that we worship. And so again, I say this in love, and I get it, we all, we all connect with certain people differently and better than others. It's just the way we're built, it's the way we're wired. Certain personalities tend to mesh with other personalities better but we have to constantly be reminded that Christ is our savior and so we look to him. So again, we need to look at how God is working through every single person and not counting them out. So as the church at Porterfield over all these years has grown, here's the thing that still remains true and I'm so thankful for that and that is the message has never changed. Through all the changes, of the decades of this church, the gospel message is still being preached. It is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He died for all of our sins. He conquered death and rose again. If you want to go to heaven, you have to go through Jesus. You have to repent. You have to, change, you have to be willing to change your way of thinking and turn to Christ and humble yourself and ask Christ to forgive you, come into your life, receive him as Savior, but then learn to follow him as your Lord. A lot of people just want to stop at the Savior part. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Help me to get to heaven. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to get on with my life now. And it doesn't work that way. That's not, you know, you can be saved by accepting Christ, absolutely. But he wants more than that. He wants you to learn to walk with him. He wants to glorify himself through you. And that's why it's so important for us to learn to obey. And we're blessed when we do it and we suffer when we don't, even though we don't acknowledge it sometimes personally. So the message is this, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, and that message has not changed here at Porterfield for all these years, and it will not change in the future, I do not believe. And I say that because, you know, I'll just say it this way, it's not going to change. Because if it does, we will cease to be a church. So the salvation message, the foundation that has been laid, that's what will continue. So the message is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the material that we build on is then the teaching of Christ. This is where I go back to say a lot of people want the warm, fuzzy, feel good. Okay, I'm forgiven of my sins. I've got my ticket to heaven. Now I can just live however I want, and that's not what a disciple is. That's not what a, a student is. A student is someone who enrolls in the school and learns the curriculum and puts it into practice. You can't just make up your own rules. You don't go to Ohio University or Ohio State or WVU or you name whatever university you go to and enroll and go, well, you know, I see what your curriculum is here, but here's what I'm gonna do, okay? And I'm just gonna do this, and, uh, and, and in four years I'm gonna graduate, right? <laughs> Be ridiculous. 
It's like, no, you're enrolling here, the student here, here's the requirements. Well, when you give your life to Christ and you become a disciple, a student of his, he's saying, you actually have to believe I am who I say I am and you really need to apply my teaching into your life. That's the material that we build our lives with and that's the material that the church builds itself with through the help of the Holy Spirit. So that means when the culture is saying, well, all of this stuff over here is really how you need to live because that stuff that the Bible says is not relevant anymore and we know we've evolved and we've been enlightened. So now here is what's politically correct and here's what's acceptable in society. And if you don't do that, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're the phobos, you know, the, the whatever phobia you want to put on it. That's what the culture says, but the word of God says this this stuff over here is the straw and the hay and the wood that when the fires come will be burnt up. The stuff that's the word of God and the teaching of Christ is the gold and the silver that when the heat comes and the fire comes, it's gonna be tested, but it's gonna last. It's not gonna be burnt up. If anything, it'll be refined. And when the Apostle Paul says the day, it's a capital D, in his writing he was talking about the day of the Lord's return and the day when God is going to judge all people's hearts and minds and intents. We can play games with each other. We can play games with ourselves. We can deceive ourselves and be deceived, but you cannot deceive God. And when you stand before him in the fire of his gaze, he's gonna burn through all that stuff. And you're gonna find out what's really true and worthwhile and everlasting. So make sure that you're building your life. And as a church, we need to make sure that we're building his church with his materials, the, the, the gold, the silver, the, the teaching of Christ that stands the test of time. There's another thing about fire. Fire doesn't only come physically, but the, it's an analogy or a metaphor for tests that we go through in life. And if you're building your life on all of this stuff that the world says is the way to do it and it's the popular thing and it's the stuff everybody's posted on Facebook and look at me, look at how cool I am because I'm with the new hip thing that everybody is saying is cool when God's word says, you know what, that's not only not cool, it's out, out and out sin and it's actually evil. <gasps> how can you say that? Oh, I'm not that bad of a person. Well, if the word of God says it. I, I brought a message a few weeks ago, a month or so ago that when Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus modeled for us how to face temptation of Satan and the deceitfulness that he brings to us. And how was it that Jesus responded to Satan? It is what? It is written. It is written, it is written, it is written. There's a reason it is written because it's God's eternal word recorded for us, saved down through history. And when we reject this, we're in big trouble. And so this is the gold and the silver and what we need to be applying our lives on and again, building his church on and not swaying to the pressure of popular culture. They can say what they want. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. It matters what Jesus says about you. Doesn't matter what the world says about you. Doesn't matter what your friends say about you, your coworkers. Doesn't matter what they say about you. It matters what God says about you. So we've got to make sure that we're building with the right material. So the message matters, the material matters. 
I'm grateful that I've served with you here over these past 20 years, and I hope to continue for the next five. I want to make that clear. So this is not like some big melodramatic, you know, thing that next week or two weeks from now. And I was kind of joking earlier, uh, some of you might be like, seriously, five years? We got to put up with you for five more years? But after two decades of serving as your pastor, I think we're going to need kind of that much time to make as smooth a transition as possible, to pray, to seek God together, to have conversations, because I want this to be as smooth as possible, and I want us together to be praying and seeking God for wisdom and what he wants for his church. And if he allows me, I'd like to be a part of that process. And if not, hey, that's, it's his church. But I will tell you this, that during these next um, few months and, and years, even into next year, what I would like to do is form a succession team who will work with the church leadership, our deacons, trustees, staff, and, and we will listen to you because I, I know everybody here has an opinion. Already you're forming opinions of what you think ought to happen and this ought to be, and I wonder if they're considering this and I wonder if they're gonna do that. Well, I hope this, well, I hope that does not happen. We're gonna listen to you. We're going to, we really will. We, and we want you to bring your concerns and your thoughts to us. We will listen and then we will prayerfully consider and work together as we listen to you to make the best decision that we believe Christ is calling us to do for the future. Because to me, that's what good leaders do. Leaders listen to the people they lead, but there are biblical examples when Moses was leading the people out of Egypt into the promised land that sometimes the people complained an awful lot and it wasn't really a good thing. It wasn't what God wanted. So like I say, we're gonna listen and we're gonna communicate and we're gonna pray together, but we're gonna trust the Lord with what he has. So one of the problems in the church in America today that I see is there's a mindset, no matter what size the church is, whether it's small, medium, or large, and that is when it comes time for a pastoral change, often the mindset is, well, let's form a, pulpit committee, a search committee, and let's start going out there and searching and seeing who's trained and gifted, and we're going to hire the next professional to come in and be our pastor. And I'm saying to you, God can work through that, but that's not necessarily the best way to handle things. Because if we continue to think that way, well, we're just going to hire the next professional and bring them in we're creating a culture and an expectation within the churches, well, we don't have to do that stuff because we're gonna hire somebody to come in and do it. And here, now this is for all of you. Uh-oh, get ready, you covering your toes? God may be raising up some of you to be the next leaders in the church. Yeah, I know he already is. We're talking about it some as far as, you know, with the interns and the things that we're doing. And don't read more into that. I'm, I'm just saying we're trying to create a culture here where leadership can be developed and grown from within so that the whole church body understands, you know what? I can't just sit back and do nothing anymore. I do need to get involved. God has something for me to do. He's got something for all of us to do together. And I can't just sit back and want the church to hire the next hired gun or the next person to come in that's going to entertain me or speak well or whatever. And I'm not saying that you all do that. 
But I am saying there are churches that have that mindset, whether they realize it or not, that's their mindset. Um, over the first 66 years of Porterfield's history here, there were 16 different pastors who ministered and moved on. I'm not being critical, I'm just being descriptive. So if you do the math, 66 years, 16 different pastors, that averages out to be a ministerial change every four to five years. Think about that. Every four to five years, that's just a pastor's just getting in and starting to know the people and they're getting to know the pastor and they're going. And then, well, let's start the process over. Four or five years, they're going. I know some stayed a little longer, some stayed a little less. But on average, a pastoral change happened at least two or more times each decade. In contrast, you all have been stuck with me for two decades. <laughs> so I, I, now see, I appreciate that, I really do, but I'm not, I'm not saying, but it's just the reality. Think of the contrast there. And that's why we need to approach a leadership change differently than we've done it in the past. So I'm just letting you know up front, we respect the Constitution and, and we're, we're following it, but rather than just forming a search committee and doing it the way we've always done it, I think we need to form a succession team, which will function like a search committee in a way, but it's gonna be much broader than that, it's gonna be much more thorough, and it's gonna involve more people because the church has never been to the size that it is now, it's never had a pastor stay as long as I've stayed. And some of you are going, yes, I know, oh my gosh. Uh, and it's never had a staff the size that it is now. We've got like nine paid staff, five are full-time, four part-time, somewhere around in there. Many great volunteers. We're looking, we wanna continue to expand and grow. So we're looking at the possibility of hiring some more part-time staff people because the church is growing to the size that there are certain aspects of the church ministry that's just too big for a volunteer to realistically uh, be expected to give of their time. But we're still gonna need every single one of you as volunteers giving of your time and your effort in serving in the different ministries. So I'll be talking more about this off and on in the days ahead. It's not gonna be every Sunday. This isn't gonna be the topic. I just wanted to address it today and I hope, it's, I hope it will reassure you somewhat and uh, just encourage you. What I don't wanna happen is, and I'm concerned about this, that as I've communicated everything that I've communicated and sent the letter out and trying to be as clear as I can, there'll be some of you go out of here. Well, Mark's leaving, I heard he's leaving, you know. And that's the rumor in town that I'm gonna be getting calls from other pastors, what's going on? I heard you're leaving over there. Because trust me, that happens. <laughs> so please listen well, read the letter, talk, ask questions, it's okay. We, we're, we're going to trust the Lord and we're going to continue to work for the future. My calling and my commitment to Christ continues so this is not about me retiring, it's really not, because I, I wanna continue to serve the Lord in whatever capacity. My commitment to Porterfield continues, and that's why I'm sharing my heart with you today, a little bit different kind of a message, but I hope you heard the teaching from it. I wanna finish it up with this. The work, go ahead and put that next slide up. The worker and the workmanship. So again, this is for all of us, as followers of Christ, if we're gonna work in his fields, whether you're a pastor or helping out in the nursery or wherever you're at, God wants us to be full of faith 
And we, he wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God wants in his workers, and that's what the Apostle Paul was also describing about him and Apollos and whoever God uses. And then the workmanship is important. It is important how you take the materials and how you build with them, because you can use them wrongly and, abu and be abusive and have things out of kilter, or you can use them rightly and have something that's built that's beautiful and long-lasting. And so God wants all of us to use the spiritual gifts that he's given us, and that's why this fall in September, I'm going to be starting, amen. I'm gonna, <laughs> there's one that wishes I'd be over and done and out of here. I told you they're out there. But anyway, seriously, um, I'm gonna be starting a spiritual gift class this fall in September. You'll be hearing more about it. And I want to continue to try to train and equip and educate those of you in the church so you understand your spiritual gifts so you can be using them to help his church grow. So you've heard our mission statement this morning. Adam said it a couple of times, but we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. It really is all about life change. That is the goal and it only comes through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. And so the way that we wanna bring people to Christ is to have Christ work through us, and we're gonna approach people with love, but we're gonna love them enough to speak the truth in love and to hold people accountable and to be responsible. That's part of love. It's not just warm, fuzzy feelings of positivity. Love is hard work, and love involves commitment. So we're gonna love people and then our method is we wanna lead them. We wanna take them from where they are and help guide them to introduce them to Christ and help them to grow in their relationship with Christ so they truly can experience the life change that only he can bring because we are just workers in the field, but God's the one that grows his church. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity today just to share my heart a little bit Thank you for your word that uh, not only gives me direction, but gives us all direction. And Lord, this is your church, and you've given us a wonderful opportunity in it. And it's, it's open to anyone, any social class, any uh, racial distinction, because in your eyes, Lord, we're all part of the same race, the human race. So it doesn't matter skin color, economic class, it doesn't matter all the things that the world tries to put on people. What you look for is a heart that is tender and responsive to your love and willing to be repentant and to just open their life and ask for forgiveness and ask for your strength and help and to be willing to walk in a new way with the power of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, help us to keep that mindset, to be reaching out with your love and uh, help us to continue to plant and water and to create that environment where your seed and your church can grow and help us to build well on the foundation that you have laid, Lord Jesus, with your life. For it's in your name that I pray, amen.